a great day to know Jesus, isn't it? So we're in Revelation chapter 2. We welcome all of you that have joined us live wherever you're at. And uh, those of you that will get this podcast have been keeping up with us that way. I noticed a lot of our viewerships went up on some of that stuff. So thank God that we're able to get the word out. We try to stick with the word as closely as we can. And uh, so we're thankful for God's word. We're thankful he didn't leave us to ourselves. Amen. But he gave us his word and the Holy Spirit, and the Word and the Spirit agree. So that's, that uh, keeps us from getting misled. So if you've got some spirit talking to you and it don't line up with this Bible, you throw it away. Amen. So let's going to get back in chapter 2, verse 8, pick up and try to get a couple more churches tonight. I know this is Christmas week and we certainly celebrate God sending His Son. And we'll be gathering here Sunday morning. But uh, a lot of good opportunities for us to fellowship other people and remind them of what this season's all about. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we have together. We thank you for your word and your spirit. I thank you for brothers and sisters that love you and that put you first in their lives. We are desperate for you, Lord. We can't make it without you. You are our way and the truth and the life. We give you praise tonight. Give us the... Give me the tongue of the learned and give us all ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at the next church. Uh, the church comes to life. If I can take you back for a moment to these uh, church ages. It looks like these churches fit into church ages. Uh, how the church went through certain things uh, over time. And as they went through certain things over time we wind up with the church of Laodicea. And the church of Laodicea certainly appears to be the kind of season we're living in, we're living in right now with uh, the church age when it's uh, uh, losing ground fast in so many ways and getting more caught up in the world than it was, than it is with the Lord. So we want to we think about that. And this morning in our study, we were in Ezra, and there's something said here in Ezra that is a reminder to us. It says, the children of Israel, <clears throat> they were coming back after the temple. And here's what it said about them. It said, the children of Israel who had returned from the captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations. From the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God. So there's a separation that should take place for those of us who name the name of Christ. Paul said, uh, come out from among the world and be separate. Right? So there should be a distinction between us and the world. And that's the struggle that the church has always had, right? To separate itself from the world and to not try to use the same methods and tactics as the world. And uh, Josiah, when he became king, uh, he didn't go borrow things from Egypt. They, they trusted in the Lord. But a lot of the kings were borrowing things from other nations and things instead of trusting in the Lord. And that's our challenge. And it's probably as great a challenge and may get worse, and will get worse, I should say, as it's ever been. To stay out of the world and not allow the world to influence us certainly in bad things that are against God's Word, but even in our relationship to God. A lot of people are influenced by the world in their relationship with God as if they've got something to say that He don't. And so we've got to guard against that because that's the church age we're living in. Laodicea was very wealthy, caught up into a lot of things, uh, and they thought they had their own way made, their own strength. Their own, they trusted in all the wrong things. And we're making our way that direction. But tonight, let's start here with Smyrna. The angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was uh, and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. You are rich. He knows their works, their tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. So, and, and this is in the context of where Jesus says, if someone gains the whole world and loses their soul, you didn't gain anything. We didn't gain anything. 
And he says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. And there's a lot being said there because he's going to lead us into the church of Pergamos there. Anything that doesn't line up with God's word is from the devil. Now, I know even half the, the church is bought into that's not true. There is no neutral ground. And if you remember, I gave this to you a few weeks ago. In the Greek, the main word where we get pisteo is pistis. That's the noun form of pisteo, which, is all the, which undergirds all believing and all faith in the New Testament. Pisteo is a verb, right? So faith has action. But the noun form is pistis, all right? If we add ah or alpha in front of that, ah pistis, and we say ah pistis, then there's only two things for this word to do in the Greek. Go forward and go backward. It don't allow any new, this word don't allow for any neutral ground. You're either believing and trusting God or you're not. What Paul say? Whatever is not of faith is sin. That's a big word. And then he also says our victory is in our faith, right? Everything comes back to faith. The Bible says Abraham was given, uh, it was accounted to him righteousness because he believed. Abraham pulled some stunts. He was growing just like we're trying to do, but he kept, like David, he kept looking to God. Even when he failed, he kept looking to God. So this ah means you're going in reverse with your faith. There is no middle ground. We, the flesh likes middle ground. It likes to have that middle ground because it don't want all that uh, responsibility. And so he says, you are of the, he says, the Jews are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So you're either serving God or you're not. (laughs) There's really, we've said this a lot because we know people who maybe try to go to church some and then do their own thing some. We, we say they're straddling the fence, but they're not really straddling the fence. They're, they're in or out. That's what the Greek language does. And it's wonderful how God allowed the, the Bible to be written in the Greek language, probably one of the most precise languages ever known to man, because it can do a lot of things our English language cannot do in describing things and giving us context. And so he, you're not straddling the fence. You're either in or out. He said, you cannot serve two masters, right? He said, you'll love one, hate the other. And, but what we're doing is we're pretending, right? Or we're maybe deceiving ourselves when, we're, when we think we're trying to do both, right? And there's this emotional thing that we get caught up in. But you're not straddling the fence. You're either in or out. And that's a, that's a hard word sometimes to receive. But whatever is not of faith is sin. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer... Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Now, he calls the devil. He's using the devil here. He says, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, he don't rebuke this church. This church is under heavy persecution. As I showed you last week, when these churches got, were in line, Ephesus was starting here, and it, and it rolls around like a horseshoe. All these churches are in line, ending up with Laodicea over here. So these messages going out to all these churches, they're in different cities, different situations. These were not the only churches, but these were the ones that the Holy Spirit targeted and got this message out. And once he got this message out, it was for all of us. Because he says, he that hath an ear. The next thing he says, right? He that hath an ear. This church did not get rebuked. But he says something that's interesting here. That theologians have debated and people still debate. He says something about ten days. Now, <clears throat> this didn't. I just got this revelation probably in the last three or four years. That I feel like the Lord showed me. From... From the Feast of Trumpets until Yom Kippur, from the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets until the Day of Atonement, or what we call Yom Kippur, is ten days. Now these ten days by the Jewish people are called the Days of Awe. They're the time of judgment, they're a time of tribulation, and so 
I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to us and talking to us about this in a prophetic way that this from the rapture of the church, which is represented by the Feast of Trumpets, over to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when all of Israel will return to God, according to the Apostle Paul, when he comes back with his saints. This, this is a ten, ten days between these festivals. But they're known, they've always been known by the children of Israel as the Days of Awe. So basically, I believe what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us here. There's a time of testing and tribulation that's coming right here where the devil... And basically, the devil is going to have a lot of influence during those times, during the time between the rapture and the feast of Yom Kippur. That's the time the devil is manifested. We'll find this out later in the book. It says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down among you, and he knows that he has but a short time. So he's going to be raking havoc. And now, and I believe we're in the last days. I believe we're that terminal generation. So there's a good chance that the guy who's going to be the body, the embodiment of the Antichrist, maybe he's alive and walking around. He may not even know just yet that he's going to play that role. But remember, Judas is a type of the Antichrist, and when the Bible says Satan entered into him, and that's when he turned on Jesus and started betraying him and doing all that. So we're sitting on the verge of a time of judgment. The Bible says in Daniel, when he talks about this time, he said, tribulation, a time of Jacob's trouble like the earth's never known. So we're going to see havoc. The devil's going to be running loose and panicking. I think the devil's going to be panicking. Because he knows he's got but a short time. He knows his day's coming to a close. What's, what's tough about this seven years of tribulation that this whole you know, book's built around and the 70 weeks of Daniel, what's, what's tough about this is, is that these seven years, right in the middle of these seven years, three and a half on this side, three and a half on this side, and we'll get more detail with this. We brought it up a lot already about this but then God the Bible says starts his wrath the devil can't hold God a light he can't hold a light to God because God's going to pour out wrath and judgment in righteousness it's a whole different position than where the devil's coming from he's going to do it in righteousness now God right now and this is what the world most of the world's missing and, and we're going to see that with Thyatira if we get there tonight. God, His posture toward mankind and the world is redemptive. He's calling, showing mercy, being long-suffering. Peter said He's not His will that any would perish. Uh, God is not, uh, is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come under repentance. Titus said, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So we're without excuse. But there's a day coming soon where God's going to be punitive. In other words, He's going to start pouring out judgment and wrath and every single person that's ever breathed the breath will have to stand before God and give an account of themselves. It doesn't matter what religion they follow. It doesn't matter if they don't even believe in God or they say they don't believe in God, every one of us will stand before God and give an account of ourselves. So God will shift a gear and go from being redemptive to punitive. He's going to pour out His judgment. He's going to pour out His wrath. He's going to judge the world. He's going to put an end to sin, like Daniel talked about, and iniquity. And He's going to usher in the, His only begotten Son, and He's going to be crowned the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That day's coming, and that day's coming soon. And we, we are looking, we're watching all these things be put in place as we watch the end of time come. So here in Smyrna, these guys are under heavy persecution. He's encouraging them to stay the course, right? And that's something we don't fully understand here in this country. Because we're, we're not under the same level of persecution, say, like Stephen is. Over in Nigeria and other parts of the world, some places in the Middle East where Christians are getting killed, and China and places like that, 
we're not under that same level of, of threat. But if you read the Bible and read church history, a lot of people lost their lives for being Christians. They, they died. John Huss was burned at the stake. They said he was singing praises to God when they burned him at the stake. You know, all the apostles, with the exception of John, whom they say they tried to kill, but God wasn't through with him, so he, they banned him to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote maybe the most prolific book we have in, in the Bible. And so he's, he's, the, a lot of these guys lost their lives for their faith. We don't fully understand that. But there was a, a few years ago, 300 churches burned down in Nigeria alone. 300. And a lot of them were burned down with the congregations in them. I, I need to find out the video, but Stephen sent me a video where the Muslims come through and they, gave, they said, you either recant Jesus Christ or die. And many of them wouldn't turn on Jesus. And they killed 400 that day. Primarily with machetes. That's how they killed them. And he sent me a video of some of the footage and the dozer that dug the grave, a mass grave for 400 people to be put in. That's in our lifetime. Just a few years ago. As you know, Stephen's been baptizing and been shot at. They've had to they shoot at them sometimes when they try to baptize. All kinds of stuff. They, uh, they cut nursing mother's breast off. And we get somebody a little crossways with us and we're ready to walk out on God. Not saying we are, but I'm just saying a lot of folks are that way. Somebody, <clears throat> I saw this cartoon. This uh, lady come in the church and, and went to Sunday school and she stomped out mad because the sun, new Sunday school literature didn't match her dress. It's a cartoon. <laughs> you heard the story about the guy that was against the chandelier, right? And they were talking about the chandelier, and they said, we was going to get a chandelier and put in the foyer, and we think God's house ought to be the nicest house in town, and yada, yada, yada. And, and the guy kept saying, I'm against it, and I'm against it, and I'm against it. And finally they said, why are you against it? He said, because there's no one in the church that can play it anyway. He didn't have no idea what a chandelier was. <laughs> so people get upset about the smallest things, when there are people, we got brothers and sisters that are living in places where their lives at stake even today. I think I read an article that more Christians have died since 1900 than all other centuries before combined. It's amazing, isn't it? Of course, there's a lot of Christians scattered around the world. So these people didn't get rebuked. They're just encouraged to hang in there. They were told they were wealthy not because of their physical position, but their position with Christ. And then he gives an all call again, right? When he talks to these churches, he's talking to us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, there's that Greek word nikeo, the verb form of Nike, shall not be hurt by the second death. So be an overcomer. We've all got to be overcomers. That's what he's called us to be. He never called us to be perfect. He called us to be overcomers. God looked for a perfect man he found him. His name's Jesus. And we are in him. That's how we get our righteousness. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. But we can all overcome. We can not give up. And he says, uh, the next church is this Pergamos church. And we're going to talk a lot about this because there's a lot of evil spirits that are manipulating and deceiving people in our world. It's happening here in America. We're opening the door for more idolatry. All kinds of evil spirits. False gods have come back. Their names, Baal. There's, a, there's a, some kind of, if it's still up in, in New York, a, a monument that's honored to Baal. All kinds of things in this country that are uh, false gods, which these false gods, are, they're upheld by demonic influence. And, and it's horrible what they do. And this Pergamos was one of the places where a lot of this went on. It says, the angel... Of the church in Pergamos, right. Now, I want you to listen to what he says to this church. These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Now you can look at certain cities and read about them in history and see that the Satan had a stronghold laid up in places. There are strongholds where Satan has more influence, where he's been allowed 
more freedom because the people don't seek God or turn away from God. But you can see some of those strongholds in some of the cities in our own nation. I could just point out uh, three of them. New Orleans is a stronghold for witchcraft. San Francisco is a stronghold for sexual immorality. And then Las Vegas is a stronghold for everything above. There are so many demonic influences that have freedom in some of these cities across the world. It's not just America. I've never been to Bangkok, but if you read about Bangkok, it's probably it's unbelievable what goes on in places like that. So much evil where the devil is just... And then here you got this church... <laughs> Amen. Right in the middle of all this stuff, standing up for God. Trying to keep the faith in there. And he says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. This is a stronghold city. And I'm going to share a few things with you to get you to understand how big of a stronghold this city was for Satan. We'll come back to uh, Antipas in just a minute. But in Pergamos, there was lots of temples that were to false gods. And when there's a false god that's set up and worshipped by humans, that's demonic influence. Demons get access, more access to people when we open the door. And so uh, uh, Pergamos, uh, Dionysus, is supposed to be the son of Zeus. This is all uh, mythology and, and, and false gods, but they built a temple. Their design around this temple was to eat raw meat and drink wine until you were intoxicated. And once you were fully intoxicated and eating this raw meat, you were then it one with Zeus. That's what they taught. These debauched rituals got so out of hand, it led to horrible sexual immorality. All kinds of horrendous things. Now think about this for a minute. I read where Rome outlawed it. Now, did you hear what I say? Rome let anything go pretty much. But this particular persuasion of false religion got so out of control, they outlawed it. Now, that, that's saying a lot. When Rome, who pretty much let anything go, uh, outlawed it. Rome was where they killed people for sport. Where they fed Christians to wild animals and gladiators. And, and then gladiators would fight gladiators and... And people would come to the Colosseum not to watch a football game and somebody maybe be carried off on a stretcher or somebody go to... Uh, uh, they said they, they used to make fun of hockey because they say they went to a fight and a hockey match broke out. Because <laughs> they fight. Far worse than that. These people were there to be destroyed and killed. And the ones that were turned out into the arenas knew they were going to be killed. And the people who filled these arenas, that's what they were there for. That's horrendous. That's horrible. That's the culture that I'm telling you said to this particular persuasion of religion of the son of Zeus, they outlawed it. That's how bad it got. Another one was a shrine to Asclepius. And this is the snake god of healing. Now let me tell you what happened. Back in the Old Testament, they, got, they got, went away from God and they, they started, God sent the serpents in and they started biting them. And then he said, told Moses, said, put these serpents on a pole, bronze representing judgment. If they'll look to that, they'll be healed. Well, they made a shrine out of that. But that, that got distorted, all right, and then taken into the culture. And these snakes have always been used... If, have you, you, have you looked at a doctor's emblems? Still the same thing. And there's a temple that people would go to to be healed, quote, unquote, that it was called the snake god. 
They would turn away. Now listen who they would turn away. And I want you to think about this as I share this with you. They would turn away people who were about to die. Especially the elderly. And a pregnant woman. Same kind of problem in our world today, right? Let's get rid of the elderly, those who are too weak, and the children. Listen, in this country, and I'm calling anybody out, and I don't care what you think about what I'm getting ready to say. This country has a war against children. We are at war against our children. We forgot, not saying you and I did, we forgot we were all children at one time. There is a war in the womb. and I mean, how many children are in the foster system? I mean, it's horrendous. And now we got people in this country advocating for adults to be able to be sexual with children. That's been going on behind the scenes for a while. Now it's coming out in the open. That's what all these crazy people did in places like Pergamos and Rome. And we're getting so out of bounds with our children. If you think about it long enough and see it and get exposed to it, it'll just make you want to go weep. They are the most vulnerable people in our culture, our children. The most defenseless. And we are at war with them. But Satan's always been at war with them. He's hated the children ever since. He tried to kill them off when Moses was born. Trying to do the same thing when Jesus was born. He hates it. He hates any life that comes from God. He's, he's the Antichrist. He's against all that. And there's always been a war about that. They didn't want a bad name. They, they didn't want to look like they couldn't get the job done. So this shrine was, or this place of healing, quote unquote, was about a snake god. And then finally, uh, uh, Demeter, it was the shrine of Demeter, it was the goddess of grain. And. Uh, These people came there for forgiveness of sins and they had to be immersed into the blood of bulls. How things get distorted. So what happened? And this is what's going on in America. Pergamos, in part, represents what's going on in America. There are so many things, religion-wise and cultural-wise, that are captivating the minds and the hearts of our children before we can even get them to middle school age. And you've watched that process happen, right? We watched the devil start twisting the minds of our young people in college. Then he, guess what? We had all these community high schools, things that everybody gathered around and kind of protected. Then what did he do? He started showing up in our high schools, Right? And then what he do? Now he's showing up in our middle schools. And now what's he doing? He's sending some drag queen or transgender to the library to read to a kindergartner. This, what was going on in Pergamos is going on in America. This is not going to end well. And the reason it's not going to end well is not just because... Man can't figure it out. The more we go against God, the more we're going to have to answer to. And I don't know when God says, hey, that's it. You've crossed the line too far. But we've seen that with nations over and over and over throughout the world history. If you're a student of world history like I am, or if you read your Bible, you see that God says, "Mm, that's it. We just learned last week that when he told Ephesus, he said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to come back and remove your light, right? Remember that from last week? And 40 years after this message was given to the church at Ephesus, Ephesus, the city, was no more. It it don't always end well. I know the movies do that. And and the shows on TV and, and all the novels, most of them end well, except where the red fern grows. That's bothered me ever since I... Why did why'd they have to die? But that's reality, right? And so it don't end well if we keep going against God. The Bible says, you know this is what the Bible says about little children. It says their angel does always behold the face of God. And he said, if you offend one of these, 
little ones. He said it'd be better if a stone was tied to your neck and you was cast in the ocean. We're just, we're just, and this ain't going to end well. Now, I, I know God's going to take care of us and protect us. And we're going to stand for the truth. I understand that. But as a nation, this is not going to end well if we keep doing this stuff against God. And then finally, he says, he says you're in Satan's at Satan's. He said, Antipas was my faithful martyr. And I, I looked up a little bit about Antipas. Antipas was, um, he was considered the bishop of Pergamos. He was a student of John, who, who God used to write this. And he was put to death. They say, tradition says, he was put to death on a red-hot bull, copper bull that was used to, for other sacrifices. That's how they killed him. He was faithful. Now think about this, what he's saying to Pergamos. He's saying, you've held fast my name. You did not deny my faith in the days when Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. So their leader was destroyed and they still hung in there. That don't always happen. But their leader was taken away and he says, but I have a few things against you. Because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. So that's where the standard drops. Even in our church world today, the standard has dropped. There's, you cannot do your own thing and go against God's word and expect Him to bless you and expect not to get yourself in trouble. And so Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed and to commit sexual Thus you also have the, and hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, repent, or else I will come to you quickly, fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I will come to you quickly and fight against them. So there's a sect in the church, and the laity is a part of that Nicolaitan. There's a sect in the church that's working in the flesh. All right? And as they work in the flesh, they're saying to people, you can, and I've seen some of this, and it's, it's, it's hard to swallow, but if you, if you go into certain denominations, they have dropped the standard to the bottom. Things that God hates, they're promoting. From It doesn't matter. All this sexual immorality... That, that's being promoted by even certain sects, S-E-C-T-S, certain sects of the church that's totally against God's Word. I'm going to say this out loud. The Presbyterian church is hemorrhaging churches. They're dying. And they're hemorrhaging churches. They're having to sell them off by the droves because they're going under. Do you know the main reason they're going up? They got, I'm sure they got other problems. But you know what the main reason? Not only do they not support Israel, they're standing against them as a group. You read Genesis chapter 12. You bless Abraham, you'll be blessed. You curse Abraham, you'll be cursed. The Pres- and I'm calling you out. The Presbyterian church is standing against the apple of God's eye. They're going against the only city in the world that God put His name on. And the group of people that God called out from the... And it ain't no wonder you're hemorrhaging churches. And it's not going to get any better until you turn away from that and repent. Now, I hate to be so... I don't hate to be so blind. Not when I'm standing on God's Word. You, you, and they're not the only... These mainline denominations that have compromised God's Word... I've heard, people, I've heard uh, one uh, Catholic woman say... That abortion was a blessing on live TV. I heard it with my own ears. I've heard other denominations, <coughs> you know, get away and say things like, well, if Paul were here, he wouldn't say it that way. Do you realize what you're saying when you say that? You just undermine the whole Bible. You're saying what Paul really said was not the Holy Spirit talking or God talking, it was him talking. So if you're saying that Paul wouldn't have said it that way if he were here today, you're basically saying what's in there is not from God, it was from Paul. And if you're saying, well, we're not saying that, then you're saying God don't know what He's talking about. He would have changed His mind. That's, that's, that's preposterous, and it's undermining the pulpit. It's undermining the church and people getting in the pulpit doing these kinds of things. But, if, but the church has lost its way in so many ways 
And, and that's what's caused the world not to be able to see the truth. Now, I'm going to say something challenging here. And I, and I'm, I know I might be stepping on some toes, maybe out there in, in video land or wherever. But I'm going to say something here. If you and I compromise the truth with people we love just because we don't want to find ourselves at odds with them, then we're helping deceive them. Now, I'm not saying, just like I said Sunday, the word exposed means to bring to light. It don't mean to run in and get in everybody's business. That's not what he's talking about there. But when you have the opportunity, let's say you're in a circle, and we all will be sooner or later, you're in a circle of people, and you know somebody is involved in something that's not, that God's against, and you have the chance to stand up for the Scripture. You don't have to single them out. You don't have to embarrass them. You don't have to even confront them. You can do that on the leading of the Holy Spirit in that moment in that time. But you cannot back away from standing up for God's Word in that circle. Because if you do, you're helping further deceive that person. Because sometimes our silence is is saying we agree with things. Uh, And I want to stress that very clearly. I try to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. But when it comes to standing for God's Word, and you, you may say, well, there's two or three people in this circle that will get offended if I just stand for His Word. Don't single them out. Don't say anything. Do what Paul did. Paul walked in the city and he said, he didn't run out down all these other gods. He said, let me tell you who that unknown God is. There. Be wise as a serpent, right? Harmless as a dove. But never compromise the truth. And maybe you need to say it that way. Maybe you say to somebody, say, hey, let's see what the Bible says about this, what God says. And if you run across that person, and you will, that says, well, I don't, I don't believe the Bible's God's Word, or I don't believe it's inerrant. Well, there's really nowhere else to go then. You're just going to have to wait for the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to the reality of the truth. We cannot play, we cannot do the role of the Holy Spirit. So this church in Pergamos, they're living right in the middle of trouble, and he says, you guys, uh, those of you who also have the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which I hate, repent, or else I will come to you quickly, fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And then again, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to the hidden man of, uh, to eat. I will give him a white stone and a stone with a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So there's such reward for overcomers. He's telling us to listen to what he's saying. So I told you when we started these churches, you need to decide where you go to church. Okay? And if you say, well, I fit in in Pergamos or, or Ephesus, whatever, because I'm kind of feeling that I've left my first love or whatever, then that's, that's a word to you, right? Specifically, individually, so that you can move into that. And you may find yourself, spiritually speaking, Attending one of these churches at different times in your life, right? You may, you may get yourself into one of these churches and say, that's your position. And you need to receive the instruction, receive the encouragement, and also receive the reproof. Let's go to uh, Thyatira here before we close. He says, and to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like the flame of fire, his feet like fine brass, all that represents judgment, right, and all-knowingness. And then he says that, I know your works, your love, your service, faith, and your patience, or there's that word, endurance, hupomenae, consistency. As for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, God don't call her one, she calls herself one, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Same problem we defined in the last church. Different perspective on it, different angle coming in, but the same problem. What do you say about them? Uh, and Pergamos said you uh, allow the teaching or the doctrine of Balaam, sacrifice to idols, commit sexual immorality. And then he says the same thing to these guys from a different perspective. He said you got this so-called prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So it's all about idolatry. It's all about sexual immorality, the flesh. And we've seen some of the craziest things in the world happen inside the church over the years. Everybody knows about Jamestown, Jim Jones. 
uh, there's just so many horrific things. Now, whenever you see a religion or a doctrine that has flesh as its reward, you better run. That's what the whole false doctrine of Islam is built on. Flesh is the reward. You go strap some bombs to yourself, go over there and blow some Jews up or Christians up. You got, what is it, 70 virgins waiting on you when you get on the other side, they say. That's all flesh. And they tell the women something else. Did you know that? We can't even speak it out in this. I can't even tell you what they tell them in, the, in this setting. It's horrendous. When you find, and, and this is crept in the church at times, when you find doctrines that make you the centerpiece or make the reward of the flesh the centerpiece, you better get away from it. This whole thing's still about Jesus and about everything He has in store for those who love Him. So they're the reward, and so this spirit of Jezebel... We know about her in the Old Testament. She, she's got a, a manipulative spirit. Very manipulative. And she used, and the Bible calls that witchcraft. Right? The sin of witchcraft. Um, and so when she manipulates these people, and it, it happens. That's how the enemy works to manipulate. It says, causes them to get involved in idolatry and commit sexual immorality. Now, notice the next line. He said, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. That's interesting, isn't it? We would have thought he'd just kicked her out of the church because all the damage she's doing, right? But he's not willing that any would perish. You know why Jesus met that woman at the well? Because he didn't want her to perish. And he done he opened her up like a masterful surgeon, didn't he? She come there, he starts talking. He puts her out and when he asks a question, he like I've told you before, he's not looking for an answer. He's just giving us a chance to come clean, right? And he says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have one. He said, well said. It must have been, was it Zsa Zsa Gabor that was at the well that day? I don't know. <laughs> said, you've had six husbands and the guy you're with now you're not married to. Man. And then he, like a wonderful surgeon, exposed all that and then healed her. And she said, come let me tell you, show you a man that told me everything. <laughs> that's what salvation does that's what freedom does it's amazing to me right this, this blows my mind Jesus let Judas keep the money back we would have freaked out wouldn't we who's got the money back the thief you better get that away from him and and call the law. How settled was Jesus to not freak out over stuff? And I'm trying to get that way. Listen, if he closes the door, ain't no sense going up and getting your foot on it and trying to pull it open. And if he opens the door, can't nobody shut it. I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> I won't give the church's name because it's not a bad thing I'm getting ready to say to you. They had a guy who embezzled $100,000 for them, from them. They forgave him. And let him pay it back over time. People have been mad and angry. And I understand the disappointment we have with that. But do you understand? If you're following God, nothing can come into your circle that He don't allow. 
People make some bad decisions. Have any of you ever made a bad decision? We all have. But God's bigger than all that. And the Bible says God enters into all things in Romans and works them for good. Nothing can happen in your life or my life that's outside of God's jurisdiction. That's settling to me. It's settling to me. In every situation, of course, I've grown in that just lately. You understand that? I understand that. I've watched God just lately go around the corner before I got there. Man, alive. We're really supposed to be like little children. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, don't store up treasures down here. He said, a man's life is not in the abundance of the things he possesses. That's not your value or my worth. He said, you don't have the promise of tomorrow. So you better do what God's asking you to do today. Don't leave things undone. We've got, we've got to get into that fretting only causes harm. We've got to get into that posture that says, God <coughs> excuse me, has everything under control. No matter what. And here's what's wild. Jesus lets Judas keep the money bag, and they keep giving him money. <coughs> and evidently, they must have went, and he had emptied it out sometimes because they said, hey, we've got to pay our taxes. Jesus said, go down to the shore. There's a fish down there. It's got some dough in it. I mean, so Judas must have been draining the bag sometimes because they couldn't pay. <coughs> and Jesus just patiently kindly does his thing how would you like to be able to live a life and this is where i'm what i'm shooting for of being undisturbed he that ceased from his own labor has entered into the rest of the lord what are you striving about well i'm striving about i'm trying to make my way in this world i'm striving about because i'm trying to hit this mark I'm striving about because I'm going to retire like this. What are you striving about? You don't own tomorrow. He said, yeah, I do. I'm going to build a bunch of bigger barns because I'm going to store me up some more stuff. And he said, hey, fool. I'm just quoting the Bible. He said, hey, fool. Your soul's required tonight. Building those barns ain't helping you at all. So let's keep life in perspective, right? Let's keep it in perspective. You belong to God. And I've been learning this lately. And if I can really get to the bottom of this, y'all going to get some preaching on it. But there is a concept in the Hebrew about salvation that illustrates that God takes responsibility to, uh, for us when we become His, uh, when we get saved. When, he, when we become Committed to Him. He takes the responsibility over us. Somebody asked me years ago when I was young and had all my children were very young. They said, what if you die? I said, I have a great expectation that God Himself will raise my children for me. That's the kind of faith I'm having. I don't have no promise of tomorrow. None of us do. But I know who holds tomorrow. And he said, don't lay up treasures down here. Don't get caught up in this life. He said, understand that you have one day to live. Live it to the fullest. And here's what he said to one of the sons of Abraham. I believe it was Asher or Levi. It was Asher or I think it might have been Asher. He said, as thy day, so shall thy strength be. In other words, if God gives you tomorrow, He will give you enough strength to endure and make it through tomorrow. And if He don't give you tomorrow, you'll be sitting beside Moses eating bean, uh, pinto beans and cornbread. I, I mean, that hit me, especially when I was uh, preaching Melanie's funeral. And I was thinking, and I don't know, I've preached hundreds of funerals by this point in my life. And I can't, I don't know why I hadn't really thought... I, it just hit me when I was thinking about Melanie. She's probably sit beside Moses and talk to him and, 
and Abraham and Jake. She said, and we all know about Jesus, and that's the main thing I understand. But she's probably sat beside Esther and Ruth. Wow. Think about that. Talk to Paul. <coughs> I mean, that's pretty amazing, amen. Uh, let's come, we'll come back to Thyatira next time. But it's amazing. Let me read that line again. All that she'd done wrong, he said, I gave her time to repent. She did not. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deed. <clears throat> Sin is not the end of the world if you and I will repent. The Lord knew we were going to sin. That's why he gave us repentance. Do you know what the best thing going is? Repentance. Best thing going. Best deal going. The Lord knew. I, I tell people this all the time. The Lord is not near as distraught as you are over your sin. And it's good to be convicted over sin. Because if you're not convicted over sin, we've got a worse problem. All right? But He made provision for our shortcomings, for our failures, for our sin. That's good news. But don't waller in it. Receive it and get up and keep moving forward. And let His grace... Remember what we've been reading in John? That his, it will, you'll have a continual cleansing. I like that. I need that. And let's learn how to really intercede. Amen? And get in touch with God. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you for all those that are here. <clears throat> we know some people are already traveling and some are going to be traveling, Lord, this week. And so we just pray for safe travels for them. We pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will <clears throat> remember the true reason for the season and keep that in front of them and, and whoever they have fellowship with this, this week, find a way to keep it in front of everybody, Lord. Give them grace to do that, myself included, that we would keep the season about you in front of all of us. Lord, we know you're able to do far above what we can think or ask, and so we just praise you for that. We remember this season. We're so thankful for it, Lord. We bless your name. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.